Hey there, everyone. Welcome to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle All Things Cycling Podcast with your host, Sylvie Dau and Cycling Coach. So before we get started, I have some quick announcements. I have two, actually, and they are related to winter or cycling training skills. Now, August is about the time where a lot of us start thinking about, ooh, what am I going to do to you know, improve what I'm already doing now? So you think about how am I doing on the road? What kind of skills would I love to improve and how am I going to get those skills? And that's where I have something so amazing for you. It doesn't matter where you're sitting because we're in like 35 different countries. Amazing. So this can impact all of you if it interests you or piques your interest. So the first thing is I have a cycling skills online four week workshop for women. And this is where we're going to, it's only for September and October. Each week we focus on a different skill. So first we really work on what is a smooth pedal stroke and how to get more efficient. I'm going to share with you the skills and tips and my secrets about that. And then we're going to move on to hills and then speed. And then we finish it up with nutrition. We get and we also talk about our weight training program, which is so important for strength training to become better. With this one, it's super fun because every week we do the workshop and then I give you homework and then we have a Q&A. So you basically have me as a coach for the whole month. And that is cyclingskillspro.com. Go, you can register now, secure your spot September or October. Then the next one is a much longer, more training, more uh, geared towards um, working towards goals and really drilling in the skills that A, we go through in the four-week program, pedal stroke, then we get into the drills, and it's periodized. I also help you with organizing yourself to be scheduled in your training so that you don't overdo it and you become very intentional. I just love this because a lot of people just get on the online programs and they just go for broke all the time. You have to plan it. It's an 80-20 rule, 80% um, endurance, 20% intensity. And if you're not getting that, you're just going to basically overtrain yourself and overdo it. So the 16-week program is dedicated to that and so much more. So this starts in November to March. So it's truly through the winter weight training, online program, uh, maybe some racing, group riding, all of that is going to be part. You just join us and we'll take care of your winter training. Now go to 16weekroadcycling.ca and secure your spot. Registration is not open right now, but those who are on the VIP will get a chance to secure a spot at an early bird price. So don't wait. Get on the list. All right. Take care and have an amazing day. And don't forget to ride your bike. Welcome to Secrets from the Saddle podcast. I'm Sylvie Dao, your host, fellow cyclist, bike club founder, cycling coach, bike race junkie, just truly super passionate about cycling. My journey with cycling started 20 years ago when I opened a spin studio, started a women's race team, and founded a women's only cycling club called Cycle Fit Chicks. I'm super thrilled to reveal all aspects that make the world of cycling operate. I'm so excited to be able to bring you interesting people from around the world, pro cyclists, recreational cyclists, coaches, event organizers, bike shop owners, everything and everyone you need to know or ever wondered about when it comes to cycling. I know you'll enjoy this episode.
Welcome everyone to another amazing episode of Secrets in the Saddle, all things cycling with your host, Sylvie Dew and her amazing guest, Jesse Jarjour, Jar- right? <laughs> he's from Ottawa and he's going to correct me. I know it, but this episode is super amazing. Now I know you might be listening to it on audio, but I highly recommend that you go and listen and watch the video on YouTube because this one's going to be a good visual reason why Jesse is a bike fit specialist and not just any bike fit specialist. He uses AI. And before we even get into that, I'm going to do a little quick bio. Please make sure that you follow me on Instagram and you follow Jesse on Instagram and also share and share this podcast with your friends. Now, here's Jesse's bio. So Jesse has been, been fitting bikes to people for over a decade. In that time, he has fit over 2,000 individuals, mostly from Ottawa. So that's where he resides. Um, but his clients have come from as far as Spain, Portugal, and the Middle East. His clients range from beginners to Kona qualifiers and national championship, national champions. He has, he has trained under industry legends such as Porak McGlynn, Todd Carver, and Ian O'Gorman, and holds certifications from Retool Track Precision Fit and an international bike institution level two certifications. He is also has his USAC level three coaching certification. Now that's not just it, this is the good stuff, okay? In 2017, Jesse, so he's been a bike fit, bike fitter, began to pursue studies in um, uh, computer science, followed up by programming experience where he gained his undergrad degree in economics. And I don't know how that transformed, but economics and AI, AI sounds way more interesting. <laughs> we can get into that one. It might be out of the scope a little bit, but there's a bit Oh of yeah, <laughs> totally. I, I would love to know how that came about. So here's the thing. His original motivation was to develop a unique uh, performance matrix for training and identifying junior athletes, but quickly found a subset of AI. Now, we all know AI is quickly dominating the the, uh, technology industry uh, called computer vision and realized he could become, he could design a program to automate parts of bike fit. So this is where we're getting into all this cool bike fit stuff because that's what Jesse does. Um, two years later, he created this program and community called My Velo Fit. Now he launched My Velo Fit, um, has now empowered uh, riders all over the world to improve their cycling position on on their own by providing AI based. Um, recommendations for the positioning and that's what we're going to be talking about after now jesse of course finds time to do other things such as getting on his bike when he has time (laughs) getting back to it and uh, he bike fits at bush in ottawa and he also like me 
is looking forward to suffering on Tuesday night crit nights if they ever come back. So <laughs> welcome to the podcast, Jesse. I'm so excited to have you here. Thanks, Sylvie. That was, uh, I, I appreciate the introduction. Well, I love bringing individuals on the podcast that are doing extraordinary cool things with regards to cycling. And when I saw this, as usual, scoping around the bike, Facebook bike pages, and I'm like, hey, now that's cool. So I saw Jesse, he, um, and we're going to get into this, but first, we're going to ask Jesse about his background, how he got into cycling. So Jesse, give us a little bit of a background um, as to where you started cycling and then right into like this whole cool bike fit AI stuff. So it's funny how often I've heard this story, but I got into cycling through uh, triathlon. Uh, so I was... Uh, I want you to say I was in great shape. Uh, I think I was still smoking back then, which was kind of funny. Uh, and my brother and I, it was um, when Simon Whitfield uh, did really well, I think did he win the Olympics or he podiumed at the Olympics. And uh, as brothers do, as we said, you know, I could beat you out of triathlon. And uh, so we scheduled a triathlon. Uh, he lived in Seattle and I lived in Winnipeg at the time. So we were going to do a meet in Montana for a triathlon. And oh, nice. uh, he never trained and never showed up. <laughs> uh, and uh, all right, like you're yes. standing there. Uh, where's my buddy? <laughs> well, I knew I knew before I got there that he wasn't good. I actually didn't end up doing that one either, but I ended up doing the triathlon, a couple of triathlons that summer and doing terrible at them other than the bike. And I mean, I, I hear this story from all my, or a lot of my clients. It's like, you know, the only part of it I enjoyed was the cycling. So I got into uh, biking and I think I did my first crit the next year and I, I fell in love with crit racing. So I've always... Mm -hmm. I've always loved hurling myself around a, a Tuesday night crit course in, in Manitoba. It was at Cinnaboyne Park and there was a formal garden that we raced around, which was really cool. And then moved to Ottawa and quickly realized uh, that the field was a little bit stronger uh, here and bigger. I would race like really? a 12 person crit in, in Winnipeg and that was a big turnout. Um, and yeah, I've been kind of biking ever since. Uh, I got into bike fitting because my first bike uh, that I was sold was like, it was essentially a 56 and I'm, I'm, I'm barely five, eight. Uh, so like nice. I was stretched out, I could barely get the seat low enough and I had all sorts of issues. Uh, so kind of started learning bike fit then. Nice. So how did you find yourself in Ottawa? I grew up. Uh, I grew up in Ottawa, so my 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 dad uh, traveled a lot for work. So they uh, they retired in Ottawa, and I mean Winnipeg. It's a nice enough city, but I, I didn't really want to stay there. And as soon as I had an excuse to leave, uh, I left. <laughs> I came back. Came back. To Why Ottawa. were you in Winnipeg? Uh, my that... dad had a job there. Uh, that was kind of his last uh, last job, and I moved there to study economics at. Uh, University of Manitoba. Right. Okay. Uh, so you're so still I finished, there finishing school. Yeah. 
finished that up, came here to work for the government, realized I didn't like that sort of work and started working <laughs> in a bike shop. Well, you know, that gov government's either for you or not for you, but now, okay. So you're, you said you're in economics and this is where we're going to dive in. We're going to go because what we really want to talk about here is um, how you got into, we know how you got into cycling. Now you found yourself a bushtaka, but where is the translation from like economics to computer science and AI? Like, I don't yeah. think you can, you can almost be almost at the at separate ends, like arts and like AI, like yeah, so it's actually it's kind of funny. The the funny connection too is economics to bike fitting. Um, yeah, and then well, uh, and then I both see the to, transition. Uh, yeah, so um, in economics, sometimes like and you have uh, econometrics, which is like dealing with big data sets, and so you will use uh, some data science kind of approaches and statistical approaches, which uh, they're it used to all be done kind of with like giant spreadsheets type thing and uh, just traditional statistical analysis. And then you're moving into like a machine learning way of dealing with big data. So that's when I went back and I was like, well, I like bit bike fitting, but uh, kind of as an aside, I'm having trouble with my hands. So I can't like work on bikes all the time. And my, my hands just are kind of starting to give up on me. Uh, so I, I started to think, you know, I need to get out of working with my hands all day. So computer work. Um, and so there's like a big data approach where, which is where kind of the economics and computer science kind of line up. And that's where I was kind of going. Um, and as you mentioned in the introduction, I was looking at ways where you could use kind of uh, a machine learning to identify kind of individual performance metrics that might be able to quickly pick up, you know, um, performance outliers kind of, a, and athletes that, you know, you might need to, might be able to pick them up earlier through, through some of the algorithms I was working on, but uh, I realized there that I didn't really have a big enough data set um, and it's interesting, I don't know if you follow Trainer Road, but some of the things they're doing now with their AI training uh, is kind of what I was working on uh, a few years ago. Um, and wow. then uh, I found computer vision and I was like, wow, you can do some cool stuff with this and started to work on a bike fit app. <laughs> oh, okay. Now like... Okay, so what's going on with Trainer Road? Because I was I wasn't following Trainer Road. I was on Swift, but I've yeah. heard like I've heard great things about Train. Oh no, not Trainer Road. It's Ruby. Ruby's more of a visual like yeah. cycling experience. Trainer Road. I've been following some guys on uh, who have a podcast, and they talk about um, a lot of the Trainer Road stuff. Um, so being new to like on online coaching myself and training like I just got into it this year I was ev evading it I guess and then like 
too many of my girlfriends were getting on. So it's just the pure press. <laughs> like, yeah. like I don't want to, the FOMO of missing out. Um, so I got on, but what are they doing? So explain like this and how's it like, how's it relating to you? Well, so it, it only like it only relates to me by coincidence that we were, okay. you know, I was I was working on something to use like predictive analytics and training. And basically what they're doing now is for better or for worse, there's a few things like I mean they're amazing company and I don't want to anyway say what they're doing isn't amazing. Um, but what they've done is they've dug into their data and used a couple different uh, kind of machine learning approaches to kind of breaking down the big data and predicting kind of ways to train. So they're basically, um, and I, I'm not really the one to explain exactly what they're doing, but they're, <laughs> they're using AI to kind of break down all their training data and say, this is kind of what works. And so, and then kind of applying that to the individual where, so it will basically give you individual workouts to do based on your current fitness, where you're going, what your goals are and what your time is. Right. Yeah. I think, uh, I think Swift kind of has something like that. I mean, you can obviously pick what, what your goal is, how hard you want to work your time frame, And then it's just like, boom, here's here's some programs that yeah here's your you, plan yeah yeah here's your plan for the week you need to do four like these four by the sunday night and then you get the next week and and things like that i i was on one of those not very successful started at the yeah. end of the season i'm kind of like ah no <laughs> like i'm just gonna do all the easy ones but uh so now you've taken ai and you've developed this program now I know like Jesse is potentially gonna throw us up a demonstration. So that's why seeing this on YouTube is gonna be advantageous. So if you really wanna see the visual. So talk about how you decided to put this together as a program. And then we're gonna ask you how you're, I guess, marketing it to individuals to be able to help people globally. Cause I think that's amazing as a coach, like I'm trying to target global clients for like helping them with skill development mm. um, on the basic skills, but this is really interesting. So share with us, Jesse. Yeah, so, I mean, I guess the, my motivation was I see people coming in and I mean, every you see the, the them on the side of the road riding like in these atrocious positions, and you know you have this history of suffering being like an acceptable part of cycling, um, and you know I, I was just like how I I don't want to be the person to. I'll never tell somebody on the side of the road, you need to make an adjustment on your bike. Like I've never once said it. Uh, I'll never kind of answer people on the road if they're like, hey, how does my position look? Because there's just so much more to it than what you can just see riding beside somebody for a couple of seconds. Uh, so I wanted to create something that enabled anybody to get into a decent position. Now it might not be the same position we get into in the fit studio, but I can guarantee it's a much 
sounder position than most people will get to on their own. Some people get there uh, on their own eventually. Some people get worse when they try to adjust their bikes. Um, and so, yeah, I developed this system that uses a pose estimation to kind of figure out where you are on your bike, measure you, and uh, make recommendations on what to what to change. Awesome. I love it because as a coach, um, I can eyeball people pretty quickly as to, you know, the typical thing is the stem's too high or it's too low. Yeah. That's where I <laughs> like, I just like, look at, mm -hmm. okay, what if we, and there's like, oh my gosh, what a difference. <laughs> and then now like, I find, uh, so that's where I start when I'm doing my clinics, you know, slight adjustments that you can make like, you know, right away. And then I'm finding like, now that people are buying bikes randomly, you just, yeah, yeah people are, you know, are being sold bikes that aren't proper for them just to get the sale, just to get the bike actually. Yeah. Um, yeah. So yeah. are you finding lots of stuff like that now that you're, you're, how long have you been in Bushtaka and how did you find yourself there? So I've been at Bushtaka since 2013, end of 2012. Oh, wow. Like eight yeah. years. Yeah. So I originally, when I moved to Ottawa, I was working in another bike shop. I was doing a little bit of bike fitting um, and I kind of knew I really liked bike fitting. Like that was my favorite. I knew if I had an appointment with somebody, it was my favorite part of it. I loved giving that attention to people. Um, so I went, I kind of went out on a limb and I flew to Boulder and I had studied at the Boulder, sorry, at the Retool Training Center there and got certified. Um, and then I basically came back with a certification you know, a couple weeks of experience with the best fitters in the world or some of the best fitters in the world uh, and a business plan. <laughs> and I kind of went to a really? few shops. Yeah. And uh, Bushtaka said, you know what? Yeah, we, we want to improve our, our fit or add to our fit services. Uh, my wife is a, a designer, a landscape architect. So we designed the studio in the back corner at Bushtaka and uh, built it up and yeah, it's been, that's kind of how we started there. So tell me about this program. And is it something that Trek offers like once a year? Because you're, because of, oh, of the length and the, the, the coaches that are involved? They're at the, the one that I went to uh, Retool? Yeah. Yeah, so they actually stopped uh, doing that. So they, uh, <laughs> it's now kind of offered through, because Retool right after got bought by Specialized. Um, oh, okay. and so now they offer it through specialized and it was, uh, when I did it, it was a two week, uh, program. Um, intensive. and so you kind of, yeah, it was really intensive. <laughs> uh, I, I planned on buy, on riding a bit while I was in Boulder, but I, I don't think I got out for one <laughs> bike ride. Yeah. This is going to be awesome. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> really. Yeah, oh man, it was, it was, it was awesome. And we were there right after, uh, I think at that time it was Garmin Sharp. Uh, so we overlapped with them for a little bit. So they had, the whole team went out there and did uh, some fitting, or not the whole team, but a number of the, the guys were out there getting fit. Uh, so we were able to see some of their fit data and stuff. So that was, that was pretty cool. 
Um, and so it's kind of everything from like physical assessments to like why we measure people the way we do and kind of how to use the tech. Um, yeah, it was a really great kind of, I think it's a great, and, and actually when I did it, um, you had to do an entrance test, uh, which they kind of stopped doing. Uh, unfortunately, I think that's kind of a, a good uh, approach. So you kind of have to add like a base level of knowledge. Um, and then, yeah, I think it's a good way to kind of augment like experience with people. Like I, I would hate, I never think somebody should go into that with no fit experience, but it's kind of hard to to get fit experience without fitting. And so it, it's always tough. So you were one lucky guy to get through yeah. that program before it uh, closed shop. So then you came back and you started putting, starting working with Bushtaka and yes. adding that to their, their repertoire of, um, so people pay separately to go see you or is it part of their bike purchase? Uh, separately. So they, uh, yeah, so it, there's, you know, you buy your bike and then you get a, you, you pay for a bike fit. Um, and then it's not only clients, I, I would say it's probably like 60, 40, 60% of my clients have bought a bike. The, the last year has been different because so many people are buying bikes, but typically it's like 60% people who had bought bikes from the store and then kind of 40% of people just from the community. How long does your bike fits take? Uh, I would say an average of 90 minutes. Uh, oh, wow. That's, yeah. Yeah. that's we, like look, half, less than half the time of a, a typical one, which is like four hours, three to four hours, depending. Yeah. So I, I allocate three hours. Mm -hmm. um, and then it's usually, I mean, so the assessment's usually 30 minutes. Uh, and then, you know, we're usually adjusting the bike within with within the first hour and then once we're adjusting the bike uh usually it's pretty pretty clear right away where we need to go and then it's just kind of getting there yeah so tell me so talk to me through like the ai part so you have just started applying that portion to your bike fits correct yeah, so my VeloFit is, and I want to kind of be clear that my Velo, what I've done with my VeloFit is kind of separate from my my like okay. fitting practice. So okay. my fitting practice at Bushtock is my my hands-on bike fit. My VeloFit, the the app, and we we call it an app, but it's a web page, basically a web app, uh, is a completely separate uh, entity, and it is you know an an automated bike fit so you upload a video of yourself on the bike and it will generate uh it will measure your angles just as i would with a, a retool system or a motion capture system or uh dartfish or coach's eye whatever you'd be using to to uh, measure somebody it automatically automated automatically measures your position on the bike and assesses your movement uh, and then makes recommendations. I do use it at uh, at Bishtaka, um, as 
a kind of preset of measurements while the person's on the bike, just because it's so quick and easy. It gives me a really high level understanding of what the person is doing on the bike before I even have them up on the, or I even have the motion capture markers on them. So you have a demo, you have something you can show us. Yes. Um, yeah, let's see that. And I will walk people, or maybe you can walk people through as much um, verbally so that our listeners can hear what you're talking about. Maybe they can go back to the video and catch it or even go check uh, check what Jesse's uh, website. So it is myvelofit.com, I think. Yeah. And, um, and check it out for yourself, but here's yeah. demo. Go for so, it, Jess. Yeah, I'll just, uh, I'll share the screen, yep. screen here. Uh, All right. Um, I apologize if you can see the 40 tabs that <laughs> yeah. I have open. That looks like my computer. Yeah. That's just I think you can fully too. screen it um, if you like a full screen if you want to hide all that stuff. So I don't see what you're looking at. <laughs> that better? Um, uh, slightly, but anyways. All right. So walk us right. through here. So this is what somebody would see after they've uploaded a video. And I'll, I'll go back to the upload video part uh, afterwards, okay. but this is what somebody would see after they've uploaded a video. And so this is the recommendations for this person. So we can click on each one and it will kind of break down uh, what the recommendations are. But for for myself on this upload, it's saying to lower the saddle two and a half millimeters, move oh my it back, gosh. back five millimeters. Okay, Pardon? so everybody, the recommendation changes. So it comes up with little tabs and one of them, like Jesse was saying for this particular person, so I guess this is for Jesse himself, it, there's saddle height, saddle before and after, um, arm pad height. Okay, so this is a tri, tri bike, I guess. Yes, yeah. Arm pad reach and additional information. So basic, what you're saying from the picture, these are the immediate recommendations that this person needs to do for their bike. Correct. Okay. Yeah. Awesome. And, Ooh, look at that. So okay, look at this we'll picture. scroll down and I apologize for the topless person, which is me. Um, <laughs> well, as long as it's you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So this is what the output would be of, uh, of an upload. So it's a person okay. with their wire frame. So you can yeah. see how you've been tracked. Mm -hmm. uh, so it, it, it shows kind of what we're seeing, uh, there's a couple different positions. So we have, you have the top of the pedal, pedal stroke, the bottom, the forward part of the pedal stroke. And then this is what we call the overall positioning. And I'll go a little okay, bit deeper into that. Right. Uh, and yeah, it just kind of identifies the total four aft knee movement, mm -hmm. the total four aft ankle movement, this pedaling ellipse. So the, the, the trace of your ankle, which we can talk about why that's important in a little bit. Yes. And then we have, about that. Okay. <laughs> then we have a video just to see what's happening. So it's you and your wireframe with the real time measurements. Okay. This is super cool guys. So basically what we're looking is we're looking at Jesse 
in a bib short on his bike. So just to be clear, he's not totally half naked. Um, and he's on his tri bike and you can see the, the stick figure basically over him. And, um, and then it's running through a video of him pedaling. So you can see the stick figure. You can also see the angles of his hips to knees to ankles, as well as his reach on his tri bike. So this is a before, right? Yeah, this is a before. I actually don't have an after of myself in this situation. Okay. This was actually back uh, quite a while ago when I was doing some testing on the, the tri and TT models, just to make sure we were getting adequate or accurate measurements and um, making the proper recommendations uh, for it. Um, so yeah, oh, this is just... Yeah, so you can see um, like, there's no, there's, there's lacking that 90 degree, right? From the, 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 uh, the um, elbow to shoulder. Like, yeah. If you can see that. Yeah, this is a little bit stretched out here, if I remember correctly. And the saddle's just a touch, uh, touch high. Uh, yeah, and I mean, that's what the recommendations are, right? Lower the saddle, wow. uh, move the, the reach back. So it's a little bit stretched out. And it, so it picked up on that too. Wow, um, that's pretty I'll, amazing. Yeah, I'll add to that. Uh, we do a mobility assessment as well. Um, I don't know. I, I don't think I can show you the mobility assessment because it's not me on that one. But I'll, I'll show you a different uh, example at some point. Uh, so you go through a few movements and it will tell you uh, what you, what your mobility is like. And then apply that mobility screen to your measurements. So you and I, if we had the same dimensions with but different mobility, would still get different recommendations uh, on what to do with the bike based on our own individual mobility. Very cool. Wow. Um, okay. So let's take this. So you have, so everybody should check out this, his bike fit website. Um, and so I've noticed that you, like you said, this is for the average person to better set themselves up. Like it's not a full bike fit. Like that's what you pay the bike, you know, the big bucks for, or, you know, you spend the time with your bike fitter to do this, but this is great because there are so many people I found that have been set up poorly as they walk, you know, when they buy, sit up their bikes or maybe their bike is just so old um, and uh, they just, or they just never knew. Cause like I was saying, as a, as a cycling coach and doing clinics, that's kind of one of the first things, you know, I assess, it's not the type of bike they're on. It's like how they're set up and how they can be better and faster and more comfortable and more efficient. <laughs> like you're saying, usually it's putting the stem up, the, or sorry, the seat post. Um, it's either too low or too high. And that's usually where I, I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> like you're like sitting on the yeah. frame and your knees are like in your chin. I'm like, I think, you know, we could probably put that up and you'd probably be a lot faster and a lot more comfortable. But um, so Tell us about the, the whole, like your whole website and um, 
how like the average person can do it. Like, I know we talked a little bit about the back end, but say if I was to go and sign up and I noticed that you have different price points. Yeah. So talk about that. So yeah, I'll start with the, the price points. We have uh, kind of four options. So we have a free version where you can upload the vid your video. You can do the full process. So you can do all the process just with like you would with the paid version. The only difference with that is you don't get specific recommendations. So it will say seat height, good or bad. It won't say <laughs> what to do about it. And the really nice thing there, we encourage people to start with the free version because I don't want you to pay and then get no recommendations. So if you do it and it says everything's good, then great. Like don't, don't, you're done. You still might not be comfortable. You still might need adjustments, but you're kind of out of the scope of what we can offer. You can still get a little bit of a gain from that because that's going to tell you you're in range. But with the paid version, you can see where you are in those ranges and still adjust. So that's the free version. Anybody can do that for free. Um, and we encourage people to start with that. Then we have two different paid versions. One is a two week of access for a single bike. That's $35. And we like that you can have a few weeks to adjust uh, because that way you can kind of do a few adjustments, let that settle in, see how you feel, come back a couple of days later, do a couple more adjustments. Yeah, Then that's a good. Yeah, it's a great way. And that's something that I can't really offer in my studio. Uh, I, you know, I offer uh, in my studio a guarantee where you can come back, but I can't have you come back three times in two weeks or I would just be swamped, uh, more, more swamped than I already am. Um, and then we offer a $75 package, which is unlimited bikes for a year um, for one person. So that's still just for a single person. And we have a way of identifying the cool thing with AI is we can also identify if somebody else is using your profile and we catch a few people every once in a um, while. That's not the same bike you started with. No, yeah. you can't put your mountain bike and your road bike and your gravel bike and like and your kid's bike on here. Well, you, I love you it. can, you can on the, on the, the unlimited the $75 one, but not, yeah, yeah. and you can in the $35 one too, it just doesn't let you separate them and set them up as different profiles. Uh, so like okay. when you say you're on a TT bike, it's going to give you adjustments based on your TT bike. If you're right. then on a mountain bike, it's going to think you're still on a TT bike and then give you really weird adjustment recommendations. I love it. <laughs> yeah. And then we have a fourth option, which is a tier for, we call them partners, but it's anyone who wants to use it commercially. So we have uh, coaches, we have shops, we have athletic therapists, we have physiotherapists. Um, we have just kind of random people who want to, you know, fit their friends and kind of or fit their community. Um, so talk about that, because if you want, I mean, that's probably brings you in. Um, so they pay a membership fee for that. If yeah, they're they going pay to... monthly. Okay. Uh, so monthly subscription based on the number of people they plan on fitting. Oh, uh, okay. So five, 10, 25, or 50 are the tiers that we have. Oh, wow. Okay. Uh, so if you're a big shop, you would want the 50. If you're an individual who might, and that's per month. 
uh, if you're an That's individual. That's 50 people per month, yeah. like you're saying. Okay, you only yeah. get 50 yeah. individual accounts, I guess. Yeah. So, and then, yeah, so five, five at the small end, 50 at the high end. Um, and then uh, you, so if you go over, you can still add people. You're just charged for each individual after you go over. Oh, smart, Jesse. Yeah. So it's, it's, <laughs> it's based on, like, so we are actually already have like a couple terabytes of data. And like, we, we really just kind of launched. I mean, we, we officially launched in November, but we only really started promoting it in April. Uh, and we have like terabytes of data. We use the computers we have to use. Our servers are like really high-end uh, AWS servers that cost a ton of money to operate. Uh, so it's not like it's not like we we're just now raking in. Like every user who uses it, we we are paid like we are charged for uh, every single time you upload. So it's there's there's a cost associated with it, and that's wow. why we kind of have these tiers. Right. No, I get it. I guess, because like people are just like, well, what are you talking about? Like, doesn't it go to the cloud? No, it doesn't go to the cloud, it goes to my server. So are you hosting all those servers? No, so it, it's, it is actually the cloud. So it's cloud servers, <laughs> but we still pay pay by yeah. it. Like, so they're, they're spot instances. So we pay per second, basically. Oh, wow. Okay. Actually, so I the... think it's per minute, but yeah. Okay. So hear that. It's not just as easy as you think from the back end. Like, yeah. So are you able, okay. So I know that this, this data isn't accessible to you. Like you're just, you're just saying like you've got terabytes of data that people are already have used that much yeah. of yeah. your program. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and like, so one of the benefits, the cool thing as we get into like the big data is like we've got, I, I, like hundreds of millions of data points from people uh, uploading. So every every pedal stroke of every person's upload is analyzed and saved. So as we kind of go, we're building this bigger and bigger database so we can kind of improve the, the product. Every, like basically every upload improves the product. So do you spend uh, time like, sorry, go ahead. Oh, so like, and uh, I was just saying, like, so every every time you upload a file, it's kind of added to the database of, um, and it, it's non-personalized, so it's not like Sylvie, this, this, <laughs> and this, and this. It's just right. uh, a line item with no identification to the person. Right. But it so is kind anybody. of, yeah, it it is kind of storing that information and then kind of crawling it and iterating over it. That is super cool. So Jesse, do you spend time um, analyzing this data and thinking of new, well, you said that you're thinking of new ways on how to improve your product. Um, are you also thinking of different products that can be created? Yes, but I can't sure really go what, into them. <laughs> Because uh, there's a few things that we're, we have a few really cool things that we're working on. Do you want to share? I can't. Uh, ah. There's two reasons. <laughs> there's, there's like, yeah, I don't even think I can say that much about it. Yeah, there, there's like, 
patent things that we have to deal with and kind of first to market things that we have to deal with. So I, I can't go that deep into and what we are. So we have a, like, there's two really major improvements. I not improvement. I, I'll call them just new features that we're going to roll out eventually. And what we're doing, cause we don't want to say, oh, just wait to sign up. What we'll do when we, when we do launch those is everybody who's had a membership, we'll just gift them another week onto it. So everybody will get a chance to use the, the new features as we launch them. So sure. it shouldn't stop somebody from signing up now. Uh, well, you're gonna have to repeat that because you froze. Oh, sorry. Um, I don't know where, where I cut off, but well, like, so I, when we've launched these new features, we're gonna still give everybody who signed up previously a chance to, to use them. So if your account has expired and we launch something new and cool, we'll kind of gift, we'll backwardly, backwards gift everybody a chance to try them. Yeah, because I've um, I bought into a couple programs where their new AI technology like this and whoever buys into it now gets like basically a lifetime membership. And then the next people after that round or like when it closes are, you know, have to pay the new price, you know, so um, that might be a good way of marketing, getting like a solid membership, but um, okay. I have a question. Yes. Um, what, so through your and analytics have you kind of has there has there's anything different from a bike fitters perspective and seeing all this new data has stuck out in that's something you've never seen before like is something like um oh i never noticed that or through bike fits or like do you know what I mean? Like, is there anything new that's kind of surfaced that you've kind of didn't think of before? Like as a bike Well, fitter? yeah, so there's, there's a, a couple things that, so one, one really tough problem that we've had is identifying for aft. So what you would traditionally do, and this, this method isn't being used as much or as much as as a driver anymore, but it was old uh, plumb line uh, drop from the knee to determine four off. So that used to that was originally like a really major driver, right? Like plumb line over the knee, directly over the pedal spindle. That kind of moved on the back burner uh, for especially kind of a, a tri slash TT fit. Um, but it's still kind of used in a way of determining four aft. Uh, can I share my screen again? Yeah, and, I'll for sure. do, and I'll try to kind of explain this for the people who aren't oh, watching. Uh, you, you can see me on my bike again there. Yeah. Yeah. So if we look at uh, what we traditionally would have done, this is my pedal stroke at 90 degrees. You can see my cursor as well. Yeah. Yeah. So pedal stroke at 90 degrees and you would drop a, a plumb bob here over the knee. Right. From your knee to your, your foot. Yeah. Yeah, to the that spindle. that's not being used that much anymore. And what we're now seeing a lot of schools teach is the center of mass. 
which is here on the, the other one. So the center of the mass torso. would be defined as uh, the center point of the torso, basically. Oh, and now really? we're starting to see that used as um, the fore aft indicator uh, on the bike. And so the tough thing so is with AI, with computer vision, we actually can't really see the bike that well. We can only really see the person. We can see the bike, but it's tough to kind of determine where you are over the bike. So what we started to look at were ways that we could identify how you're moving on the bike relative to the bike. And that's where we started to come up with this pedaling alerts. Uh, and so this is a point cluster of all your ankle points. So if we see this one uh, here, we can see that a little bit better. So this is, has tracked every single one of your ankle points through the pedal stroke. That's uh, this is the knee. And then here, I don't know, you can barely see it is uh, all your shoulder points and all your hip points. And this shows the lateral yeah. motion at the hip, the lateral motion at the, uh, the shoulder, the total knee motion, and then the total ankle motion. And what we Perfect. started to do with this is look at uh, the relative movement between each, specifically the mm -hmm. knee, uh, ankle, and center of mass to determine the fore aft. What I'm actually getting is kind of better measurements than what I get with my kind of traditional fit system uh, because it doesn't kind of cluster and break down the data the same way. Hmm. Uh, and so we're able to get really cool measurements of fore aft and really identify uh, movement patterns such as this ellipse. Uh, so here, if this was a road position and here we can see See how this ellipse is kind of turned forward a few degrees? Yes. So instead of being straight up, if this was on a road position and we had you pedaling kind of with a forward uh, offset, that would be really bad. But on a, a TT or a tri position where everything is rotated forward, this is actually what we're looking for. Okay, yeah. Um, so for everybody who's listening, um, um, Jesse is showing us his positioning again. So it's kind of like the stick figure over in alignment with the body. And he's got lines that are aligning. So he's, remember he was talking about the plumb line. So now he's got a line from the torso. So I would say kind of the rib cage right there down through the quad that I imagine that line is supposed to be hitting the spindle is that where it's heading or to the no well the, so the, on this one we're just foot. looking on a tri position i would be looking kind of about like this right like we're going to want to kind of in the middle of this knee knee tracking right. yeah uh, on a road position you'd be much more upright uh right. and then that's going to be line, kind of lined up over the ankle right and um so also what jesse is showing in his before is a lot of these little points that are picking up data as he's moving. So from the hip, he's got one at the shoulder, um, back around where the calves are. Um, so it's, it's quite interesting to visually see this. So I'm just trying to verbally um, keep you in on the loop here. Um, and also the pedaling. Now, when you're talking about this oval between the front, uh, to the right and the, the left foot. Now, what if this, what if 
this person say it's not you what if you were toe pointing a lot and the ankles yeah. way high yeah so that one the really cool thing we can look at with that um is that so with an ellipse uh so the scope between a, a circle and like a really long stretched out ellipse that's called the eccentric eccentric i can't say it. how eccentric <laughs> it is we'll say right. so it would be more eccentric if it was more stretched out right uh, and so people who tow more will have a more eccentric circle or a, ellipse there and people uh whose saddles are too high will also get a more uh eccentric ellipse uh so we're able to identify that through this and we're we're not giving recommendations yet on that we're still getting data on kind of what is right and what is wrong with the how much how eccentric that ellipse is um but yeah it's uh it does pick up on that the other thing that we'll look at and I'm going to stop sharing here and just grab somebody else uh, if okay. it lets me, uh, that I have permission to share uh, with. So you're, you can't see this now, right? No. Okay. Yeah. Let me just grab another uh, set of tracking, set of measurements. Because you had a female uh, on your, your website. Yes. Or... And that's who I'm trying to find. Yeah. Because you can you can see it on his website. He has the demonstration, and uh, super cool. Like as a like I was certified bike fit like about ten years ago. I never chose to put it into real business form because I I preferred co spending more of my time coaching over bike fitting because you can literally only do two a day. Um, but uh, yeah, so this is the one that's on your website. Um, but it was, it's really good as a coaching perspective to be able to recommend basic recommendations from people straight away, which I do. Um, but cool. Okay, so. So here we have, uh, so I don't have, uh, this is before we started to work with the the overlapping the circle but here we can you can visually see two things one how how kind of stretched out her pedaling is here uh and also how the knee and ankle end up occupying almost the same space so you see this a lot with smaller people and longer cranks where they're uh -oh. going through this really big range of motion right. um and it's coming all the way up to uh, their ankles coming all the way up to her knees. So if we go back to me, hopefully that's me. Okay, yeah. so you can see the gap here. Uh, and I'm on, I, I probably have shorter legs than her, but I have shorter cranks here as well. So we're not kind of getting so compressed in our pedaling or sorry, uh, going through such a big range of motion. I've, I know a couple girls who had their cranks who, um, were recommended to get longer cranks and were way more comfortable because of it because they had shorter, shorter legs no it's longer hmm. no just a second no i think it was longer she got longer cranks because she was more compressed and 
and uh, it alleviated a lot of her back pain. Typically, but, uh, you would see that going from a, sh a longer crank to a shorter crank will open things up quite a bit. like yeah she went for a bike fit and um because of her torso to no she had um she had longer uh hip like um thigh bones was it thigh okay bones? um and so that so it was her leg length like and uh anyways it was i was like what really and and she made this shift whether it was i, th I think it was longer and it alleviated a lot of pain when she was cycling. But I mean, from yours, you can't really make that distinction. Like you'd have to go find, you'd have to see somebody. Like you'd have no, to No, we actually them. have, uh, we have a flag if needed. Uh, so oh, we look really? at, uh, there's three things. And the nice thing is, so, in my studio, I'd look at the same three things, and there are things that are really easily to easy to measure. Um, so it is the um, so the it, and it depends on road versus uh, try or, or time trial. So we look at total uh, knee range of motion. So how open and closed the knee gets. Right, so the 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 total, so the basically the flexion minus the extension, uh, and then we'll look at so all three of those, so extension, flexion, and the range of the two, and then specifically with uh, like an arrow position, we'll look at it's called hip angle closed. So how close that hip or that that knee comes to your chest, basically. Yeah. So if those are getting too closed. Uh, it's an issue, especially with kind of the plagued uh, hip mobility that we have now from everybody sitting in a chair all day. Like most people have terrible hip mobility. Um, so uh, if that's getting too closed, then we'll want to open that up by going to shorter cranes. Um, oh, okay. Yeah. Interesting. Yeah. yeah. Or if you're going through too much range of motion. Right. Yeah. All the sitting is providing a lot of interesting things nowadays, yeah. isn't it? So, yeah. all right. So we've been chatting a long time. Now, is there anything that um, you've been noticing recently coming into your studio with regards to bike fits? Um, well, so I've been closed now for... Oh yeah, right. <laughs> oh, well, this is yeah. perfect. You can yeah. like shoot people your website, like here. Sorry, yeah. I can't bike fit you. Well, but... so during the last lockdown, it was great. Uh, I would have, I was sending people to the website to 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 do it, and then when they're coming in, it was it's one of the greatest benefits of this. I find is when people now come into the studio having used my VeloFit, yeah. they're coming in kind of from a decent starting position and not just like a completely unsound position. So you can still, you can get into a good starting position and still need tweaks, but they're generally really small tweaks. Where, uh, and then, so I can send somebody away from there a lot more confident that they're gonna be in a good position from there and not need to come kind of come back for adjustments. Whereas when people are coming in and I'm changing their saddle height by 
four centimeters. I'm changing the stem length by two centimeters. Then it's like, well, I don't need like, yes, this is a lot better, but it's going to be such a big change that we might still need to make micro adjustments from here, but let's at least kind of get you into a good starting position. So now they're coming to me in a good starting position and the fit's a lot easier. So are you, so when somebody books something with you, do you automatically now send them that no. free, like just say, use a free version before you start and before no, you No, I'm in. not doing that. Cause I, I am trying to keep them kind of separate. Uh, oh, I see. As, as okay. Separate things. Yeah. I mean, uh, when things were closed, I was sending people to that as a starting point. Cause I was, I mean, I was having people every day, you know, like, because it's all you can do right now is go for a bike ride. And I, I see a huge core. So one thing I do see in my studio is a huge correlation to volume uh, and people wanting bike fit. So I, I see these spikes. Uh, so it's usually kind of mid-June. Uh, I'll see a big spike as people mm -hmm. have been, you know, most injuries you pick up on the bike aren't from riding at once. They're from, you know, riding at five, 10 hours a week. Uh, mm -hmm. So a lot of people, and uh, a lot of people won't even realize they're kind of injuring themselves until they're injured. Right. Um, so I always see a kind of a mid to late June. Uh, and then kind of you, you notice, especially in the Ottawa area, a lot of people kind of go on vacation, you know, July, August. So I'll see things kind of slow down, especially August. But when we have these really nice Septembers that we've been having, see a huge spike at the end of September because people are trying to get it all in. You know, they right, come before back the winter and on their trainer. Want to ride a lot. Yeah. And then so they ride a lot and then they come back in. Yeah. Oh, here's a question. Trainer to road. Yeah. It's a it's a tough one. So trainers, <laughs> uh, you're always going to be more comfortable, a little bit more upright and a little bit less stressed out, stretched out on the trainer. Mm -hmm. Uh there's a really kind of it's obvious once you hear about it and think about it but it doesn't really kind of come to mind when you're doing it so on the road there's a few things happening the obvious one is you're you're micro adjusting you're moving around on the bike so you don't have those same pressure points the less obvious one is you actually have less pressure on your hands and seat on the road than you do mm -hmm. on the trainer because you have the wind kind of lifting you up so you get the wind resistance that provides a little bit of upward lift and requires you to let use less core to kind of hold yourself. Um, so you have the, and they work together. So you're less comfortable because you're static and then you're less comfortable because you have more weight and have to engage your core more to kind of lift yourself or to balance yourself. So if you're doing a ton of volume on the trainer, uh, I usually, and you're uncomfortable, I usually kind of uh, move people up and back a little bit. So up with the front end and back with the front end. So you're a little bit less stretched out and a little bit more upright. Uh, so it'd usually be um, uh, a stem, uh, raising the stem and shortening the stem. Oh, I see. Okay. Um, sometimes you can get away with a really small uh, reduction in satellite, but I don't like to play that much with the satellite um forget about it go out yeah. riding you're like what the hell <laughs> yeah yeah exactly and by by yeah. small adjustment i mean like two to five millimeters 
Yeah, I know. Cause like being the first time spending a lot of time on the trainer, it certainly is like, you just get in that position where your hand pressures on your, your handlebars for a long time. And you're like, Oh my God. And your ass hasn't moved at all because, yeah, you know, like outside you're always moving and ha- hands are, you know, moving around on the handlebars and yeah. And uh, you can always just sort of adjust, but yeah. All right. Well, oh my gosh. Okay. So we're going to wrap this up, but Jesse, is there any last bit of information you want to throw out there? Uh, let people know where, where we can find you um, before we wrap it up. Yeah. So I mean, you've already said the website's myvelofit.com. Um, again, give it a try. I, we say, you know, try the free version first. Um, then you can upgrade to the paid version if you want to see your, your full results. We do have a 30-day guarantee. Uh, so if you kind of just never really get comfortable out of it or your the results kind of don't uh, sync with you, we we have like, I think we're under 1% on refunds. So very few people are using them and they tend to be people who haven't end up having kind of trouble with the technical side of uploading a video, which I mean, isn't that hard, but some people kind of have trouble with it. Um, uh, so yeah, give the free version a try and then <laughs> kind of, you can upgrade from there. Uh, and then we're on Facebook and Instagram, mostly both at my MyVeloFit um, for those. Okay. I have one last question because I could, I could develop. Okay. So for your affiliates. Yes. This is really important because I know if people who are listening to it are probably like, mm, I want to be in touch with him and just give us a little information on how to get you, how to reach out to you for that um, and, and take advantage of that where they are anywhere globally. Um, because I'm sure that, you know, that's something that you want to get out and have more, more people, um, you know, using this within their clubs, um, teams, maybe wherever. Yeah. So the, 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 the affiliates, we're calling them the, the partners, um, right. you can reach out. Uh, so you can use the contact us form on the webpage. Uh, if you go to the, uh, my fit dot com slash partners it will kind of give you a breakdown of the pricing okay. uh there we just have the three main packages there but we do have a smaller package for really small uh individuals basically so that's five mm-hmm. five customers a month the the two people we have using or one person i think is using that and he's going over every month so i think he's right. gonna upgrade to the the 10 people a month yeah uh one so we have um those uh that information there you can email me jesse at myvelofit.com j-e-s-s-e do if you want more information on that and yeah that's a really great great tool for if you want to kind of monetize it yourself because then you can you can charge people to to fit them yourself however you want so incorporate into your business however you want and the nice thing there too is it gives you so like the AI is great. It will give you recommendations, but there's always kind of 
not always, but there are times where, you know, the AI will pick up on something that will get you into range, but it's just this little tweak with things that the computer vision just can't see. Uh, and that's where it takes like just a little bit of an experienced eye to be like, okay, well, you're 90% of the way there. Let's just do this little adjustment uh, from there. Yeah. And to understand, I guess, everybody that um, true, like this is just for eyeballing, making like those adjustments yourself. But if you're truly in pain after you finish adjusting, you probably should see a, a professional, like make that booking. Um, yeah. I love it. I think it's amazing. And um, hopefully we have lots of people listening to this and contacting you after this segment. Um, I wanna thank you so much for your time and your explanations. Cause I'm sure, I, I think I have a feeling I'm gonna reach out to you <laughs> myself and seeing that you're local, awesome, even better. Um, but um, so, before everybody take off, make sure you put your notifications on, make sure you share this with somebody you know who rides their bike, who maybe has been feeling a little, or maybe you just want to share it with somebody who you think needs to adjust their bike. And this could probably help them. You're like that person you'd be riding behind you, like, you know, I think this is for you. But, and also follow both of us. And we would love to hear your biggest takeaway on the this episode don't forget to uh give us an amazing review on itunes and also five stars right jesse we deserve five stars for this of course um because this is like cycle world changing sorry <laughs> i don't know what to say but i think this is just the next step to where technology is going with regards to bike fits and uh, and cycling. So I'm I'm excited that this is global and anybody can just use it. So it's pretty awesome. Thanks a lot, Jazzy. Thanks. Thank you so much for spending this time with me on the Secrets from the Saddle podcast. Learning more about sighting people, places, and things that make cycling such an exciting sport. I am so glad you stopped by today. Please leave me a review if you feel so moved to do so. I would love to hear your feedback. And if you could take one second to share this episode with someone you think would enjoy it, I would be forever grateful. Also, if you could please leave me a review if you feel so moved by going to iTunes and leaving me an honest thought and an honest comment telling me what you think, and most importantly, tell me what you'd like to hear more of. It would really help me to bring more great, inspiring cycling stories to you. Until then, have an amazing day. Make sure you ride your bike. And don't forget to visit my YouTube channel if you'd like to see the full version of this podcast live.